Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Hello everyone, I'm uh, Dr Gareth Bryant, I'm the uh, Acting CEO of Wessex LMCs and I'm here today with uh, two practice managers, um, Andy Mintram and Dan Ferret, who, uh, and we're going to have a discussion about understanding what the what the uh, the role of a PM is and also what's it like to be a PM now and how can we all support the practice managers in their uh, work at the moment. I was incredibly fortunate when I first started as a partner um, that my practice manager was absolutely brilliant. She was um, uh, quite nationally known and she introduced me to all sorts of things that, and concepts that I'd never really come across before. And, and without doubt, she's one of the people that I look back who shaped my career. Um, and I was just reflecting with um, Andy and Dan that when she retired, um, I decided that her job couldn't be done by one person. Um, and so we replaced her with two people. Um, and, and I think that's 10 years ago. So, or more than 10 years ago. So and the jobs only got bigger and more complex massively since then. So um, I think it's a real challenge for practice managers at the moment. So um, we'll do some introductions and then we'll get on into the conversation. So um, Andy, do you want to go first? Thanks, Gareth. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Andy Mintram. I'm the practice business manager at the Adam Practice, which is in Poole in Dorset, uh, with 34,000 patients over four sites, uh, member of the Poole Central PCN. Okay, so Dan, um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, about you and where you are, etc.? So my name is Dan Ferret. I'm the practice business manager at the Drayton Surgery in Portsmouth. So 18,500 patients spread over two sites um, and the lead practice for Portsmouth North uh, PCN, which is about 37,500 patients as well. Wow. Okay. That's a, both quite, quite big organisations, but different sizes. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's really good. So starting off then, should we start with you, Dan? What's it like being a PM now, right now? <laughs> I, I will use an analogy that I saw on Facebook um, a couple of days ago. It's like riding a bike that's on fire through fire whilst you're also on fire yourself. Um, it's, it's challenging, very challenging. You know, um, when we were talking before with, and Andy was mentioning about plate spinning um, and by the time you've got round to the last plate, you're already back on the third plate, which has stopped spinning. And there's, there's just so much to juggle at the moment. So much. Yeah. And you, Andy? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to trivialise it too much, but I can't really argue with what Dan said. It, it, there's just so much going on and all of it is important. All of it needs our time and attention. Um, all, all of it you want to do a great job on but you're just struggling to, to see the wood for the trees and understand what needs your attention first. And as soon as you do pay attention to one, one piece, you feel like you're, something else is dropping um, and you don't want to do that. And it's, it's really quite difficult to, 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 to do the job when you know there is something else that you need to be spending time on, um, but, but you can't afford to not spend the time on the thing you're currently on. Um, and so it's actually, irrespective of the work that needs doing, mentally it's really tough as well to, to, to feel like you're doing a good job uh, when you know there's just so much that always needs your attention. And, um, and that's, it's always been the case as a practice manager. You know, we've always had lots of plate spinning and, and our role is, is central and is, 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 is needs, needs to be aware of so many things, but it's just so much more heightened at the moment when you add on things like vaccine programs and blood bottle shortages and, and everything else. 
Mm, yeah. One of the things I've noticed when I get really busy is kind of I, I get a list of things and I never get to the bottom of that list because things always go to the top of that list. So what bits are you not getting to the getting to now in your broad role? I think for us, I'm very conscious that, you know, the practice is practice never stands still. So irrespective of the external demands, there's always things internally you want to continue to improve around, you know, your staff training and retention. And um, we're trying to do a piece of work on values and behaviours and um, reviewing um, staff terms and conditions and trying to improve systems internally. And they're the things that you do, you want to do, you want to get to, but they're never quite as important as the urgent operational issues. And, and obviously operational issues need, need, need your attention. But if you never get back to those other things, um, then you really start to lose quality in your practice. Um, and as I said, you know, things like staff retention and staff training, they're vital to, 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 to dealing with the urgent issues. But if, you, if you're only dealing with urgent issues, you can't get back to, to dealing with um, those things that really make the practice a worthwhile place to, to work and, and to be. Um, there are obviously things like you know, PPG meetings and, and, and the like as well. Really important in the long run to help keep your patients in engage and and we've had to do obviously urgent communications about things but but actually they're not at the quality we were before because we're so stretched across other things and that yeah i would completely agree um with what andy said um there's a lot of things that we want to get back to doing that might have um slightly fallen off the radar throughout covid um as things do in a national pandemic for instance i want to reinstall a staff appraisal scheme in the surgery but actually finding the time to sit down and find the right kind of package that we're going to do it with and and ask the right questions and get the right people in at the right time we're all busy you know from a receptionist right up to to the doctors to the to the management team everybody's busy in their own very specific ways um and and keeping morale up is 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 difficult at the moment as well and if if we are not feeling motivated or we're feeling the pressures, the hardest thing is to, to let somebody or try and make somebody else feel motivated as, as well. Um, but it's across the board and it really is. Um, the GPs, uh, you, you have your lists, you have, you have a very set thing that you're doing, all the clinicians do. And yes, you've got your tasks and, and your other bits on the side, but as a practice manager, when I first started out, um, I was told that I'll go home some days and, and, and wonder what I've done. I've done a whole day's work and, and I'll never be able to go, well, actually I did that and I did that. And, and I think that's really true at the moment. There's some days that I go home and I'm, I'm exhausted and I'm like, right, I didn't get around to anything that I wanted to get done today because there were other things. There were more important things. There was, there were smaller things which are more important. So you know the receptionist who is having a bit of a breakdown is actually more important than than doing some of the other bits uh that that, that come as part of a normal practice management job yeah. um but and it, it's a mixture of all of those things yeah. and it's so often isn't it that the softer side of things the the people bit is the first bit to go yeah and then you end up compounding problems because then you have people leaving and then you've got to go through a whole episode of tasks, management tasks yeah. to recruit more people. And you're in this sort of, you know, it's a sort of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, really. Absolutely. Uh, because you've not got time to manage the people. And people management's really hard work, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's one of the biggest challenges I personally feel is that um, 
I know there are things like that that I need to be doing more of and getting back to, and I'm really struggling to do it. But I can't. I, I'm, yeah, I just, I just, I just don't see how I can do it. And I'm because I'm very aware of that. I feel like I'm letting my staff down. Absolutely. And so it doesn't matter about the specific tasks I have to do, or the return that the CCG need, or the order I need to place for vaccines. I can't get away from feelings that I am not doing my staff justice because I, I or, or other members of my team have a big team, but they're all struggling the same way. I'm not doing our staff justice and they're the ones that really need the support most because they're frontline. They're, you know, hearing the questions about, well, when is GPs going to see me face to face again, even though they've just got a face to face appointment. Uh, it, it, and, and, and that's, I think, the thing that I take home. I can leave tasks in the office, but I can't, can't leave in the office the feeling that something is being missed or not done and I'm letting people down, even though if I'm really being true to myself i know i'm doing the best i can at, the, at this point in time with the resources i have and with everything else going on um but i've got to mentally still deal with that and come back the next day and go right you know let's try and focus and, and move on to the next thing so how, how how do you both manage that i don't know i'm, I'm not 100 percent sure i i fully do a lot of the time if i'm honest mm. um I think it's very difficult to not beat yourself up and not to and and to think I I've done a, I've done a good job I'm doing the best I can because you feel like you feel like the plates are dropping mm. I think is is the easiest thing and once one plate drops you know another three are not far behind it mm. um I I am exceptionally exceptionally lucky um, here at my surgery, I've got a, a team of six extremely supportive partners, extremely supportive um, to the to the point where if they walk in my room and, and sort of say, Are you OK? And I'm like, yeah, they'll be like, no, 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 no. Are you OK? Yeah. And they make me talk about it. And that helps. Yeah. That helps. And I can be honest and I can say, do you know what? I think I've dropped the ball on this or I think I've got this wrong. Um, I don't get judged for it. I get supported through it. Yeah. Um, and I've got an extremely supportive management team around me as well um, who are, are constantly sort of saying, right, what can we do? But unfortunately, in this role, that a lot of the time you can't field your tasks out because they're things that you need to do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very similar, you know, very supportive partners. Um, and, but as, as you say, Dan, you know, the, the, the simple questions that we all ask each other, are you okay? And, you know, we all sometimes say we're okay when we're not, but because actually partly because we know we've just got to get on with the piece of work and we can't afford the 10 minute conversation that would naturally follow, <laughs> ironically. Um, but, but I think, I think the thing I've learned is that just that process of regularly sharing with even if it's just one partner um and, and it, it does need to be the partners uh, i mean as dan i've got a very good management team as well who're very supportive but ultimately the partners are the ones who have the power to potentially do something and, and change something significant if it's needed and if and if it's agreed um so just by sharing that and, and i've not been very good at that through the pandemic i'll, I'll be honest and i've, I've had, but had caught up a little bit with one of my senior partners last week about this to try and really get to the bottom of what we need to do and it's the first step of a number of steps that we're going to need to take to reprioritize and look at things but just by sharing 
sharing with them and importantly feeling that they are listening and that they are taking it seriously and that that actually there will be an offer of help if it's needed um it's very hard to say what that will be it doesn't necessarily always need to cost money um but but you just need to feel as though you're not alone and i think that's the thing as a practice manager you are alone it is a unique role it's it's i've worked in industry prior to the nhs um, and, and there are there is virtually no other role like it where you feel so isolated potentially. But it doesn't have to be the case. You may be isolated in terms of the work you do day to day and the nature of the role, but you don't have to feel isolated in terms of taking it all on your shoulders. And so I think that's the first thing I would highlight is that you've got to make sure that you've got at least one partner you can share things with um, and just chew the cud and really challenge you as well because we all think we've got a plan or we all hope you know we know what we're doing or something but sometimes you need somebody else to go but are you sure is that really what you need to focus on maybe we need to focus on this first and, and challenge you and, and, and enable you to have those open and honest conversations about how you're going to get through the next you know week it literally only needs to be a week because you can't think much beyond that in the current climate yeah no i i, I mean as a clinician um that absolutely resonates with me um, I think, for, as from a clinical perspective, one of the cha- one of the massive changes that's happened in my career in general practice is has been with computerization. How the clinicians now spend most of their time in a room on their own, whereas when I first started, you know, we did a surgery and then everybody went upstairs to have coffee and do their paperwork, and you chewed the fat and you took the mic out of each other and you did all of those other things and you shared your problem. Whereas now there's a physical barrier of a door. And you never know how busy that person is behind the door. And so you end up working in isolation. Um, and that's really damaging, particularly when you're doing a busy, stressful job like practice managers do or GPs do. So I, so it's one of my mantras is when I go to visit practices is always say, how do you interact? Mm-hmm. And, and what can you do to interact more? Uh, because the job should be fun. Just coming on to that then. So what do you love about your job now? So, Andy, do you want to go first? Sure. It, it sounds perverse, doesn't it, having said everything we've just said, but I, I do really enjoy the, the the fact that, you know, beneath it all, we do have a lot of incredibly grateful patients and and fantastic staff who really want to do their best. And, and we, we, we're in this job because we want to do our best. Um, and, and, and there's a lot of people that share that. And it's sometimes those moments where you connect with a patient or a member of staff where something really positive has happened – are, are so incredibly powerful and it, it sounds cliche but it's true in that actually they can wipe away sometimes a, a really tough day just to know that you know somebody's had a really good service from your practice or, or that, you, that, that they've you know you've helped them out in some significant way and we may not help people directly as much in our roles but we are ultimately here to make sure that the practice as a whole helps people you know we're, we're parts of our community and um you know, the vaccine program, as stressful as that has been, has been a really sort of good example of that. And we've had, you know, lots of really positive feedback about how that's gone. And I think most PCNs are the same. You know, what we've achieved in, in all networks and all practices through the vaccination program is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and it's easy to lose sight of that sometimes because of all the challenges. But actually, it's really important to just try and think about, you know, those things that you have achieved um, and, and all that people are grateful for. And, and I, I, I genuinely do enjoy what we can achieve and the role we play in our communities for 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 the vast majority of patients there will always be people out there who you know don't fully appreciate um 
sort of the work that goes on behind the scenes. And, and it's hard because we can't always explain what goes on behind the scenes. And goodness knows, you know, we're coming in for a lot of stick at the moment from people that just do not know how things work behind the scenes. But equally, you have to make a choice then, you know, how much energy do you spend on trying to convince those people, those loud voices, when actually we know there are a lot of people out there who are incredibly grateful for what we do. And, and you have to try and hopefully, you know, rely on their sort of perhaps more silent support to carry you through. But, but yeah, it is a bit cliche, but I, I, I genuinely do enjoy knowing that, that we're, we're doing a good job for people by and large in the circumstances. Nobody's, you know, nobody in my, certainly my living history has ever been in the position we're in and, and had to still provide the service we are. Um, <clears throat> so it's not like we can compare with how, how primary care, you know, was working during the great plague, for example, you know, it's just, there's no way of comparing. Um, so actually I think we just have to try and keep that faith in ourselves that we're doing what we're doing for the for the good of our patients and our staff and the by and large we're doing a great job under the circumstances right. um, i love the variety i love the fact that i can never plan what's going to happen each day um it's a challenging job and and i've always enjoyed a challenge um and it's, it's weird we're getting to that time of year where um, flu clinics are where well, we do our first flu clinic on on Saturday, and for the first time in in nearly six years of being a practice manager, um, I'm not I'm not worried about flus because I've spent the past year doing COVID clinics, yeah. um, and it's just second nature now. It's like, do you know what? People are going to turn up. We're going to put a vaccine in an arm. That's all I need to worry about now. Yeah. Um, I love the people I meet. I love. I love the people I work with, but I also really enjoy the relationships I make with other practice managers um, across my local patch, across the patch I came from. You know, I've I've got um, I've got practice manager friends in Dorset, in in Hampshire, in Southampton, in Portsmouth, and I love that element of my job as well. Um, as well as as um, in addition, you know, what Andy said about making a difference and helping. Um, it's it is a good job it, it's hard work but it's rewarding yeah. um and you can get a real sense of achievement especially with what we've achieved in the past 20 yeah. months yeah i mean that sense of community again going back to the trying to do something about isolation is really important and you know it doesn't have to come from your own practice it can come from other sources mm. So yeah. you know, don't under, ever underestimate yeah, that feeling of belonging to something that's bigger than you um, yeah, I really absolutely agree with that. You know, I, I don't see, haven't seen them for a while, but, you know, my first job was in the New Forest before I came to Dorset. And, and the thing that I've always taken from from that role there was the, 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 the team of PMs that, you know, I met. I remember literally the second second or third day in my job back in 2009, I went to a PMs meeting. And that feeling I got walking into that room and meeting people who got it and could help me and to, you know, provide support or, um, or take the mickey or, or whatever, you know, and I've, I've never forgotten that. And that, that, that's, that's so invaluable. And the LMC doing some good work to keep those relationships alive and, and keep people talking to each other. So, yeah, I think I completely agree. That's, that's really, really important. I mean, one of the things we're really looking forward to, hopefully, hopefully next year, is going back to real conferences where we can do all the networking and all that soft stuff that, you know, oh boy, is that going to feel like a good day when we've got everybody in the room again? Yeah, I did the management in practice conference um, in London on Tuesday and it was face to face and it was just it was so nice just to be around people who got it. Mm. Um, 
get some face-to-face CPD in um, and just spend time thinking about me and how I want to work in the surgery and what ideas I can bring back. So I think a lot of practice managers are, are looking forward to the face-to-face conferences coming back um, because it gives us a day, a break from the norm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, ideas and things, you know, all sorts of things can come from those kind of conversations that you have at those conferences and venues that, you know, can send you off in a different direction that you hadn't even thought about before. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so what's keeping you awake at night? What's worrying you? Andy? Oh, well, I don't think I've touched on it to some extent. I think it's the... It, it's it's knowing what's on the list you know it's that never-ending list and it's the fact that something that wasn't a priority today is suddenly going to be a priority tomorrow because i didn't get around to it today so it's it's uh, i think when you're a master of your own destiny then to some extent that's fine but so much of what we do is effectively serving or, or supporting others that you're never you know i never truly feel like i'm in complete control i'm always you know reliant upon or, or you know I don't want to say being a slave to, but it does feel a little bit like that, that, you know, you're always, you're, you're, my day is always governed by what other people need. And fine, yes, absolutely. That's part of the job. You know, we are here to run the surgery, to support the staff, to support the patients, to give people what they need to do that. But, it, you know, it, it doesn't matter what job you're in or, or what walk of life you're in. If you don't feel like you've got control of things, that's a very scary place to be because you, you, you're never quite sure what's going to happen next and and that uncertainty is to some extent as dan says the variety uncertainty is a is a is an, is an exciting thing it's an interesting thing but to only to a degree and so i think you know there are there are things that i know i'm struggling to get to and um and wonder when that's going to come around and you know possibly bite me on the backside and, and hopefully you know we, we manage our way through and, and we do find a way invariably a lot of the time but um yeah it's when it's an unknown quantity you know something comes up as a surprise fine fair enough then you deal with it we try to deal with it when it comes up but there are so many things i know are on my list and i'm struggling to get to and again it's that mental load of knowing how and when i'm going to get to it um that that that, yeah i really struggle with how about you dan everything that andy just said yeah (laughs) absolutely everything um and then then the other things like staff and um is is that person okay is that person okay i've woken up in the middle of the night thinking oh god i was meant to talk to them yesterday and i completely forgot and now they're going to think i don't care um yeah i don't think there's really much more to add on that one if i'm honest you find yourself getting distracted by the kind of political noise and you know the, the media attention and all these negative things you know things that you you know you can't control actually to a certain extent yes yeah um i think the irrational thoughts that we all have kind of guide us to to be led by the negativity that we're hearing and is that going to have an impact and is that going to affect that person or that person or is it going to cause a whole load of telephone calls into the surgery tomorrow but then i think the rational side of our brains does kind of kick in and go do you know what I can't control that. Um, I, I don't think there's very many practice managers that can't say that they are in some way a control freak um, because we have control over a whole surgery. Mm. Um, but I think we're also quite good at realizing what we can and what we can't control. We can't control other people's views and opinions of what we provide. We just need to try and provide the best that we can. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I, I agree. And it's um, it's 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 easy to get drawn into situations. You know, let's be honest. Especially recently, some of the articles, especially you know, a certain person from the Telegraph, have been really you know infuriating. Um, and it, you would, wouldn't even be human if you didn't feel an emotional response to that as somebody who knows how it feels to be in this surgery and, and to, to, to try and support people. But you, it's, it's, it's that time where you really need to take that deep breath and step back and, as Dan says, recognize that you can't control that directly. And frankly, it's not worth our time and energy when we've got so many other things that are worth our time and energy. That's, and it's a difficult thing to do. It's a difficult thing to, to because we, we all need time to vent. And there are places and, and forums when we can do that. I think the, the practice manager Facebook group is a, is a good one for, for that. But, but actually, when you're in the practice, yeah, you've got to try to remember that you're, the, you're a figurehead, you're a leader, and, and you, you've got to try and suppress that a little bit um, to, to, to get the day job done. Otherwise, you could spend all your time responding to these external things, which we have no control over. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think one of my kind of favorite models, which I talk to people about, is is Covey's three circles. So you imagine you've got three concentric circles, the inner one being a circle of uh, control, the, ne- uh, the next one being circle of influence and then a massive circle around that which is the circle of concern and actually really successful people spend as much time as possible in the inner smallest circle a little bit of attention on the second circle the influence and as little time as possible in concern and i you know i think that's a really powerful model and um you know it's quite difficult to do that especially when all this there's all this noise and we're surrounded in a you know a 24-hour news environment where you know you never know what's coming next um and the twitter sphere i think holds everybody in the circle of concern and it's a dangerous place to be so that would be my top tip yeah i agree i think it's difficult isn't it because we live in a in a world as a whole not just the nhs we live in a world as a whole that's so connected it is it's, it's harder than ever to disconnect from certain aspects of life and it takes a real effort to do that even going on holiday i'm sure you know we've all experienced it that where even when you're on holiday you always feel a little drawback in to check the emails or keep an eye because you know you're going to come back to stuff but that ability to disconnect whether it's just from a short-term issue or long-term on holidays is, is so important to, to feel refreshed and, and not feel completely burdened by stuff yeah absolutely you've got to allow your brain to reset yeah, it's a physiological process, and mm. we don't have time now to let our brains reset. Mm. Okay, so coming on to my final question to you both, which is, what do you need from the people that you work with? So, start with the partners. So, what 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 do you need from your partners? I'll let you go first, Andy. <laughs> sure. Thanks, Dan. I think we, we touched on it already a little bit, so it's trying to summarise that. But I think first and foremost for me, it's about genuinely being heard listened to and heard and you know this isn't just about lip service actually i'd rather a partner was honest if we're talking about something and they just cannot see a way that the partnership can support me with something i'd rather be honest with about that about that and then we look externally maybe for support if there's something like that or um actually if it's a concern that sometimes it works the other way sometimes a partner may have a concern about something but because they know you're busy they don't want to burden you with it well no i, I want an open honest relationship where i can share everything equally with you expect you to be able to share things equally with me to know that to, to have the uh, an uncertain spoken uh, rule that we're all trying our best so sitting down and saying well I'm working harder than you or whatever in the practices is, is unhelpful but but to just to to, to, to listen 
both ways about okay how can we you know this is a problem or i need help with this and and to feel truly listened to so that we don't feel on our own with with whatever it may be it can be as minor or as major as possible but if it's taking up our time in our headspace and we feel on our own with it it, it that can be quite debilitating so that would be my first main request how about you dan uh, I completely agree. I think it's also really important for the partners to create a safe space for their practice manager. Um, so I know that if I get worked up and I need to go down and speak to one of them and just blah and, and F and blind, I know I can. Yeah. Um, because actually that's going to that's gonna help me. That's going to stop me bottling things up. It's going to let me get things out. It's going to let them understand the, the space that I'm in at that particular time. Um, and then they can help me. They can, they can help dissect it out a little bit and, and we can look at different options. But I think it's really important to have a safe space with your partners as well. Yeah. And how about practice manager colleagues? What are you looking for from your practice manager colleagues? We've touched on sort of support. How about sharing stuff? Do you think enough of that happens? I think that there are there are places where it does happen, and I think part of the the challenge at the moment is having the time to actually absorb that because again we're so inwardly focused. So I think it's it's a hard one, isn't it? I'm sure getting back to face to face meetings and conferences and stuff, they were always a good one for me to 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 start to to have the time to open up and listen to what's going on elsewhere. Um, if you've got existing meetings that go on, then maybe you can devote part of that time to things that are working well in your area and your practice. Then then that would be a that would be a good thing. But I think if I'm honest. The thing I value most from my practice manager colleagues, certainly in the past and, and now locally as well, where we've started trying to have lunch more regularly, is just that non-work contact because you don't have to spend your whole time explaining what you do and how you do it. You know that. You just get it and you can just hopefully, you know, just share some time with people who know how it is. But then, yeah, take the mick out of each other, have a laugh and a joke or, or, or whatever it is that just helps you cope when you do go back into the office. Yeah. And building those personal relationships helps strengthen the professional relationships. Yeah. And, and we've definitely found that within our PCN, especially um, over the past year and a half, you know, um, as Andy said, going out for lunch, we try and go out for lunch once a month. Um, and it's a PCN meeting. And yes, we do discuss work, but we've probably discussed work for about a third of it. And then two thirds is spent talking about husbands and wives and, and kids and life and you know gin or something like that something that we can all find a level ground on that reminds us that we're all human mm. and what's on the wish list finally for the for the nhs system if you could ask it for make one request to it only one okay <laughs> <laughs> i think it, this is a difficult one because I, I thought, I genuinely thought things were moving somewhat in the right direction a couple of years ago and, and that PCNs had a lot of promise and there would be support coming through that could help share the load and, and both clinically and therefore non-clinically. But, um, you know, more recently, we've all been, I think, feeling a bit challenged by sort of some of the responses to things and the, and the perceived lack of support that we've had from NHS England's response to some of the media things. So I think it's hard to summarize it into one request but i just think like i said you know in practice we need to feel like someone's got our back and actually i think therefore at you know regional and national level to have that same feeling that someone's got our back and not feeling like we're having to fight our own corner all the time and as we said earlier you don't want to spend lots of time on perhaps a minority of detractors and criticizers but at the same time 
if no one else is doing it for you, sometimes you feel you have to put yourself out there. And, you know, Wessex have, have done a, you know, good statements and I know the BMA and, and others are, are doing their best. But um, if it's not coming from NHS England, then you kind of feel like, yeah, well, they're the people that really matter um, to, pay, to patients, to the wider public. That's where the messages often come from. And if, they, if we don't feel like they have our back, that, that can be quite demoralising, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can I you know exactly what Andy said and and you know with the dawning of the IGPM that's going to be in incredible for us as well I think my one wish from from NHS England is I'd like to find things out before I find them out on the news <laughs> um, because if you tell me something two days before it's going to happen I've got time to plan and get a response whereas if I find out at five past eight and my patients found out at eight o'clock we've already got phones ringing and I've got no time to, to, to plan, you know, our response to things. So I think there needs to be a lot more focus on communication down into primary care. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and yeah, they started, they, you know, a few months ago, they started embargoing some stuff and sort of sending it out and saying, oh, not to be released. And then it stopped again. Um, and, and we're finding things out on breakfast news. Yeah. So I think that there just needs to be some of that going on. Yeah, yeah, it's probably trust for me that um, you know we we're in a system where we you know we have professionals in an in, working in an independent contractor status that actually the contract set up to allow that should allow them to do that, and yet this sort of micromanagement layers of bureaucracy that's happening, which is creating so much um, stress and and resource usage in the system, and it all comes from a lack of trust. Mm. And actually, you know, we would provide a much better uh, service for our patients, I think, if we were just trusted and left to innovate and left to develop things rather than being told what to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I completely, I, I, sorry, I, I completely agree. And I, I, I've used this example with others in that I find it slightly ironic that from a patient point of view, personalised care um, and and co-production is so important, yeah. and yet and yet, what, so why is the same not good enough for relationships between you know NHS England and ourselves? Where where is that trust? Where is that ability to allow us to respond to our local needs and and and, and manage our own destiny to some extent? As you say, with with trust at the heart of it, um, you want us to do that with patients. You want us to to involve patients in their care, quite rightly so, and to mm. develop relationships and conversations around what they need as individuals and yet we're sort of homogenized and treated as one even though actually we're all very different practices in very different ccg areas very different ics's very different demographics so um you know the vaccine program was we've delivered a, a fantastic program in spite of the fact that you know for some of the a long time the ordering process was so centrally driven and hopefully we're moving away from that eventually but it's a great example for me that that you know trust us to do the job and we will deliver it brilliantly yeah. Okay, that's really been a fantastic conversation and uh, I've really enjoyed it. So thank you very much for your time, Andy and Dan. And um, yeah, keep up the good work. You, I think practice management is such a vital part of general practice now um, and it needs to be given the attention and you know the, the recognition that it, that it deserves. We're in a very different complex world now and we need proper practice management. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks, thank gosh. you. Wessex LMC's supporting you and your practice.